you house hacked, except you farm hacked. Right. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, excited to have Paul Windemuller. Paul, how are you doing today? Doing great. Great to be here. Yeah, good to have you. So I'm, I'm going to say like three things about you, and I'm going to let you explain kind of what what you got going on. But uh, I want to dive into a lot of different stuff. So, so you are a farmer. You were in New Zealand. We're going to dive into that story. You lived in New Zealand, a farming. Like I didn't think of New Zealand as a place to go think about farming, but hey, that's that's where you went. Uh, I think the coolest thing is you got six kids. Is that right? Yep. Man, six kids. Six kids. Yep. I came we from a family. So. Do you? That's yeah. good. That's good. I came from a family of of six kids. I'm the youngest of six, so I saw that number. I was like, <laughs> "Whoa, that's that's huge. That's really cool." Anyway, so with that said, uh, why don't you just tell our tell our listeners a little bit about uh, who you are and what you're doing today? Yeah, so I uh, am from West Michigan. Um, and uh, grew up here, was raised here. Uh, my parents owned a farm equipment dealership uh, for the first part of growing up. And then uh, my dad sold out of that and then um, uh, ended up doing some other businesses as well. Um, so I kind of grew up around agriculture, uh, grew up out in the country. We didn't have a farm, but lived on some acreage and just enjoyed going outside and being outside and Worked for a lot of the neighbors that were farmers, so that's kind of how I grew up. Just really enjoyed that. Me and my brother um, grew up, uh, at one point in uh, high school, early high school. We grew seven acres of vegetables, um, and just always was looking for a business. Um, sold firewood, grew hay, you name it. Uh, I I was trying to make a buck doing something ever since I was a little kid. So that's just kind of my mentality. I uh, went to Michigan State for college, got a degree in agribusiness management. And that's uh, kind of where I first got the uh, um, opportunity to go to New Zealand. I studied at Lincoln University in New Zealand for one semester during that time and uh, studied dairy production there. And then um, once I graduated, I um, got a sales job. Actually, I had that while I was in college as well. Uh, worked for a great company uh, selling crop protection chemicals throughout the Midwest, uh, just traveling around doing sales for them. Really enjoyed that. Um, so, and then after that uh, experience, I uh, was in that for a while, making really good money and uh, looked at my wife one night and said, hey, honey, what do you think about moving to New Zealand again? And, uh, or going back there. Uh, she hadn't come with me when I went the first time and I was really itching to get back there. And um, ended up having a great mentor through that experience who is a great businessman had a lot of uh, investment in real estate as well, outside of agriculture. Uh, just a really, uh, really good business-minded guy uh, who mentored me ever since uh, college. So, um, yeah, then we moved back uh, from New Zealand in 20, what was it, 2012. So just over 10 years ago, um, we had $2,000 to our name when we stepped off the airplane. We didn't have a place to live, and I didn't have a job. So... That was just over 10 years ago. And um, since then, uh, we built up a dairy farm from scratch, uh, my wife and I. Um, we bought a 
old rundown farm and kind of resurrected it um, and then built a couple of new state-of-the-art facilities on it uh, with fully automated uh, milking robots and uh, temperature or climate controlled um, barns and uh, grew that from 30 cows when we first started uh, now we're milking 250. Wow. So that's our, our main business. And then um, also about a year and a half ago, I got my series three commodity brokerage license and uh, have been doing risk management planning and several other types of consulting for uh, other farmers. So that's the quick and dirty. Man, lot, lot to unpack there. So it was it just like the, 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 working in farms and being around the equipment because you're it seems like every farmer i know their parents were farmers their dad or their grandpa or you know just like some somehow in there or maybe even an uncle but they somehow took over like a family portion of the business but you didn't have that right so it it was just like hey I, i just been around this my whole is that what the passion was well, ever since I was a little, I mean, I was probably three years old, um, hanging out at my dad's farm equipment dealership, talking to farmers and like, man, I want to do that someday. I want to be a farmer someday. They get to drive tractors. They get to hang out with cows. I want to do that. So that ever since I was just a little kid could barely walk, I wanted to be a farmer. So how do you, how do you start a farm? Like it's a super expensive business to start. You've got to have land. You've got to have equipment. And the equipment's not cheap. It's not like you're going to Walmart and buying a, you know, a hundred dollar piece of equipment. So it's super expensive to start this farm. Like, how do you start without much money? Like two, you, you, you said, uh, you moved from New Zealand back to the U S with a couple grand. Yeah. Yeah. And we started our farm with 20 grand. So um, and How do you start a farm with $20,000? What, what were you doing? Like planting tomatoes? No, that was uh, our dairy. So the, <laughs> it the doesn't seem possible. I, well, most people don't think it is. Um, but that's the problem is they, especially when you're from a farm yourself, um, that's what you know, right? You, you don't yeah. see a bigger picture. Whereas I came in from the outside and I didn't know how to do it, right? So my focus that I've had, um, and I think this is a good advice for anyone getting started in investing or building a business, is be laser focused. Um, So I started with 30 cows. I literally leased them from a neighbor that was overcrowded and had too many cows. Hmm. Uh, They couldn't get them all through their parlor. So I leased cows from them. I built a homemade parlor on our farm and um started with those 30 cows that i leased so i i got into it for very little money because i was helping somebody else solve a problem yeah and um i had another neighbor that had uh, the equipment and i said hey if you could mix feed for me if you could haul my manure for me i'll pay you x amount per day and um, that's what they did and they they loved it because they got extra income off the same equipment that they had and uh, that's kind of how we got started so um and I just focused on milk and cows. I didn't focus on raising um, young stock, which is usually another enterprise that dairies have. I didn't focus on raising crops. I bought all my feed in because I really enjoyed um, making deals and, and buying feed. 
Um, so I didn't have all the equipment that comes with raising crops. I didn't have to go out and buy a bunch of land. Um, and, and we lived on our farm. So, I mean, our, our house payment was basically our farm payment. And, and, uh, during the whole first eight years as well of, uh, starting our farm, I had a W2 job. So I would plow in a lot of that money, uh, just to keep our farm growing. Yep. Um, so we lived off about 50% of what I made for my W2. And then the other 50% went back into the farm. And, uh, when you do that's that, a, that's a great way, by the way, to start any business is have right. your W-2, you, you know, live off of as little of your W-2 as possible and use every last penny to plow back into your business and just continue to do that and, until you build up to a, a certain point where you can go, okay, now this can support our, us ourselves. Right. And people don't realize the tax uh, benefits to that either. I mean, I, mm. I, I don't know if I want to say it too loud. I don't really pay taxes because, uh, especially during that period of time, because um, I was reinvesting that. And there's so yeah. many tax benefits to agriculture uh, that I was able to continue to grow the business and and put the money I would have paid from taxes from my W-2 job into growing our farm. You know, it, it but it's important in, in taxes. You look, the government rewards those who are willing to take the risk and to build, to create something that's going to be beneficial to the country. That's just right. how it is. And so the government says, hey, if somebody's willing to take the risk and build an ag business, that's going to benefit the entire country, and we're going to reward them for it. Right. It's just and, like multifamily housing or gas and oil, right? Yep. They, those are the things the government wants because that's what people need to, to thrive, and uh, they're going to reward that. And they realize, look, uh, you know, if, if we don't have people that are willing to do this, we have to now start getting that from outside of our country. That makes us very reliant and very vulnerable. And so it's just not a good place to be. So that's, right. that's, we're going to reward those people. And so, you know, take full advantage of it. That's, it was set up there for that. And, right. and yeah, you don't pay a lot of taxes. I don't pay a lot of taxes. And there's a reason for that. The government wants us to do what we're doing in order to create something useful for the rest of the country and take that risk. Otherwise the risk is a lot harder to take. Right. And and there is a lot of risk to it. Like uh, that's another point. Um, when you asked me about those that come from a farm background or come off a farm or already have a farm. Um, I, I think that's almost more of a hindrance a lot of times like for me, I was, I didn't know any better, number one, on the things that you're not supposed to do that actually do work. And number two, um, my mentality was, hey, I'm investing 20 grand into this. If I give it five years and I just screw it up majorly, I'm going to start over doing something else. I could go back and making great money in a W-2. Um, I'm, I'm not losing the family farm. Like I'm going to, put it all on the line to build this. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I'm going to find something else that will. And um, yeah, I think willing that, to take those risks, right? At that yeah, point in time. Cause I'm not losing three generations of wealth, right? Yeah. I'm not putting that at risk. So well, you're not losing somebody else's money. Yeah. You're not losing somebody else's company. Um, like you said, you're not putting three generations uh, on the line there. And so a lot of farms probably that, you've now surpassed are those family farms and you didn't surpass them because you're 
somehow inherently like way better, you surpass them because you're willing to take the risks right. that they're not willing to take because that's just how it is. Like they're right. used to doing things the way that have always been done and they don't want it to step outside. Yep. Um, you, you are known as the farm hacker is, is the farm hacking. Um, is it what we just talked about? Well, so that's another story. Before we even started the dairy, uh, we bought our farm facility, uh, which is on 13 acres. Uh, when we originally bought it, it had a house that we lived in. It had a couple of uh, older barns, and then it had um, a, a well-fenced-in pasture. So um, we bought it, and then within the first month, because I had relationships with a lot of the, the farmers in the area, I had rented out the pasture to one farm who also rented out one of the barns for um, storage. And then um, I rented out the other barn to uh, another farmer in the area that put um, his some of his animals in there and told him, hey, I'd, as long as you bring the feed and stuff, I'll, I'll watch him, keep an eye on him for you so you don't have to come here every day. And um, which took me five minutes a day to check on him. And then um, we raised, my wife and I raised uh, feeder calves in part of one of the other barns. Um, so we bought the place. Uh, we needed to put 20% down. We only had enough for 10. So I borrowed 10% uh, from a family member, which had to be paid back within six months. So those calves that we raised paid the rest of the down payment and all mm -hmm. the other things that I rented out covered our mortgage, uh, insurance, property tax and even put, I think it was about 50 bucks a month into our pocket. Wow. And we had a farm. That's cool. That's cool. I so. never would have thought about like what you've done is, and it's, it's funny because it can be applied at so many different businesses. Can it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, what you've done though is it, it just shows you the power of like, just look, you've, you've got to, like you said, you've got to be laser focused. You got to figure out what you want, be laser focused, and then figure out how you're going to start it. And, and yep. you just, you don't need the whole thing. Like I said, I was going at the beginning, like, how are you starting a farm, man? With, with a couple grand, like, what do you do? What do you do? You can't start a farm. You got to buy tractors. You got to buy a bunch of equipment. You got, you know, you got to have the land. You got to have the the cattle. Like, come on, you can't, you can't do that. It's going to take you hundreds of thousands of dollars, not, not just a couple thousand. And you're like, yeah, no, this is how I did it. And, yep. and it's because you're able to just go, this is what I'm focused on. This is what I want. And how do I do this? How do I start this without a ton of money? And mm -hmm. you, you know, you house hacked, except you farm hacked. <laughs> right. Yep. So, yep. I think well, the other important lesson from that too, is um, a lot of uh, farm, the farmer mentality is, is independence, right? Whereas my mentality is, is collaboration. So I, I made something um, or worked out a deal where it was good for the neighbor that I leased the cows from when I first started. Now I own them all, but at that point it worked out good for them. Um, so I helped them out. My other neighbor had assets that he could utilize better um, and make money off of. So that helped him out and it helped me out. So looking for ways to collaborate um, and making sure that, somebody that's going to help you um, with your business is also going to be rewarded for it. I think that's a really important lesson in agriculture. You see so many times, I don't want to, I'm going to buy all my own equipment because I don't, I don't want that guy to do it for me. Yeah. I don't want to rely on him. I don't want him. I don't want to put a dollar in his pocket. 
Why do you think it's that mentality? Because yeah, you're hundred percent right. A lot of the, um, you know, I, I I'm, I'm in Minnesota. I hang around uh, not a ton of farmers, but I do hang around some farmers. And um, you know, I I I go up to like the northern part of our uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin, and it's that mentality is kind of all around. Why do you think it is like what, and how can you change it? Can it, can, or can you change it? Well, I, I think the people that have, um, have found that it's been extremely, they've been extremely successful because you can grow so much quicker and right. be so much more efficient. Um, and in commodity in a commodity business, it's all about efficiency. That's what it boils down to is cost of production and efficiencies. Um, so I, I think it's just that whole, um, culture of of independence that that built the american rural um, society in the past which is a great thing it's, it's almost gone too far to the point and with 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 the um, economics and farming today um, i think it's become more of a hindrance than than help yeah a, a guarded mentality uh, almost you know we don't want anybody to take our crops or whatever it is right um anyway so in 2000 2021 um you started open sky agribusiness what what's it's a consultancy business what what's that what does it do yeah so i um i was in a uh, another dairy farm as a partner for a few years and um decided to part ways with my partner in that and then kind of looking for something to do after that project and um, I had a lot of farmers saying, um, hey, we I'm interested in having you help me, you know, figure out if, if I can improve my operations somehow. Or they knew I was really into um, looking at the markets and forward contracting milk and feed. Um, so they were asking me how to, you know, if I could help them put together a plan for their farm. And um, then I got a little worried that if I go too far with this, then uh, I might get in trouble if I don't get licensed. So then I got my my commodity broker license just to cover myself liability wise to helping people put stuff together. But um, yeah, it just kind of grew out of, out of people asking me to, to help them uh, with things that they knew I was strong at because they, they saw me be successful in those areas. And now it's grown into um, helping um, other companies. Like uh, I, I work with a few different digester companies, uh, methane digesters that look at putting projects on farms helping analyze the, uh, the uh, financial feasibility of the farms that they're looking at investing at uh, just to make sure that they're going to have the longevity for the life of the project. Um, and I've done, um, yeah, several, several other types of, you know, helping design facilities um, for farms and um, kind of a, a broad range of things. And, and I really enjoy that uh, just to, be able to utilize my my knowledge and skills that I've gained over my career and help other people. That's a really big thing for me. Is that a company that you're gonna you're gonna grow and scale and maybe bring on more consultants, or is that, is that something that you've thought of? Um, I don't know if I necessarily scale the consulting side of it. What I'm looking at doing right now is um, I would like to continue to to take on um, more work with that, but almost morphing it into, um, potentially a private investment fund, mm. because through that, I see so many opportunities where farms are like, well, we're looking at selling or 
you know, there's just word of mouth uh, opportunities for investment that if I had the capital put together um, would be some, some really great uh, projects and really great investments um, in the agriculture space. So have you done a private placement yet? Not yet. No, no. I, you know, it's intriguing. Obviously, do, do you, is that, is that a common place in the farming industry as private placements is, is putting together, you know, a syndication basically? Very, very little of that happens in the, um, you, you see it once in a great while internationally, um, hmm. where you get some private placements, um, and then they'll go out to, you know, Costa Rica or Colombia and, um, yeah. and buy up some really cheap land and, and put some infrastructure there. Cause it's, uh, so frag, the industries are so fragmented in, in those, um, developing countries that there's a, there's a huge, uh, upside potential, but there's also a lot of risk because with developing countries, usually they're less stable. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. That'd be interesting. I'd love to, if you end up doing that, I'd love to have you back on the show and, and just to talk about the details of it. Cause I think it's always intriguing. You know, obviously, you know, I raised money for multifamily for some commercial real estate and assisted living, and that's just kind of commonplace. You know, it's it's it, yeah. it's almost expected for the most part to come with private equity, family office, you know, things like that. But what you're talking about is just not really commonplace. So I'd love to I'd love to hear it if you end up going that route and and how it works and how the profitability is. And there's obviously there's a lot of government incentives too. Um, yeah. We talked about some of the tax breaks, but there's a lot of other government incentives for, for the ag business as well. Correct. And I think that that's a great opportunity um, that uh, there's a lot of tax credits available. So people that, that need to offset some, um, mm-hmm. some high W2 income or, or something of that nature, they can uh, take advantage of those. Um, and, also, you could too, almost just sell those tax credits, quite frankly, um, where they wouldn't even necessarily have to be investors. Um, you could potentially sell pre-sell tax credits at a at a slight discount. Yeah, I'm actually looking at a project for for um, solar for doing that right now. So yeah, yeah. There's man, there's just just so much out there. It's it's exciting. Um, obviously you don't want to get too much of the shiny object syndrome, right? but, right. uh, but it's exciting that uh, how much opportunity there is out there. Let's talk about scaling. Uh, you've done a good job, obviously scaling. You started from nothing, right. And, and you've scaled up. What, what are like uh, a couple of keys to your success and how, how you, how you scaled? Um, I think number one, we already talked about is collaboration. Um, mm. I wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to scale if it wasn't for that. Uh, for sure. I mean, I would have had to invest in probably another half a million dollars in equipment, um, and, and cows before I had the cash to be able to do that and, and had the, uh, uh, critical mass to be able to make those investments. So that's number one. Um, number two, I think, uh, the low hanging fruit in agriculture right now is technology adoption. So I was one of the first, I was probably in the one of the first five in the whole um, West, actually probably in our whole state to put uh, robotic milkers in. Hmm. And um, that was, we put those in less than three years after I started milking, after we started our farm. So um, I would say on the, on the technology, I've been uh, not necessarily a, um, 
a first comer, but an early adopter. Um, that's been a game changer. That's had huge labor savings. Now, which so a, does now every farm have them or, or most farms? No, have no. Um, they're, they're definitely a lot more popular, uh, than they were when I first put them in. Um, and, and you'll see a lot of the robotic milkers in the smaller size farms now, whereas the larger farms, um, have other automation efficiencies that they can put on their larger parlors that, that would still make it more labor efficient than if they put uh, robot milkers in. So there's, there's kind of a hollowing out of, of the mid-sized farms because they're, they're kind of too big for the, the smaller technology and they're too small for the larger technology. So, mm -hmm. um, but so that's, the, that's been a big the, one. Technology. The profitability is to go really big or stay fairly small. Yeah. And that's right. the other thing with, with the size I'm at, the reason I really haven't grown beyond that with our current location is that's really going back to the government incentives. That's where the, the dairy programs kind of max out at. So hmm. um, if I take full advantage of those programs and I'm not an idiot, <laughs> I'm going to make money. So yeah. that's, that's a pretty good spot to be right <laughs> yeah. in a commodity business. If you can get to that point, um, you, uh, you're doing pretty good. That's good. That's good. So tech, tech adaptation and, and collaboration, anything else? Um, I think just having, uh, the vision of where you really want to go in the end is important too. And that's one thing I'm honestly struggling with right now is where do I go from here? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that was really why I'm looking at more of that private funding because I, I do still want to grow. Um, but I don't want to, I'm at the point, like I said, we have six kids. Um, I don't want to put a hundred percent of my wealth on the line every day anymore. So yeah. I want to, I want to be able to still scale and, uh, utilize my talents that I have, but, uh, not put all of our wealth at risk every day. Yeah. And that, that's always a challenge, right? Is mm -hmm. you, you, you know, how you grew at the beginning and that was to take the risk. That was to yeah. say, you know what, this 20 grand, I can get it back. Like if, if I lose this, it sucks, but I can work and I can get that back and I'm going to just, we're going to take this risk and we're going to make this happen. Like I'm burning the ships and we're doing this right but then all of a sudden you get to a size, you get to a point and you're like, Hmm, this is pretty good. I'd still love to grow. I want to grow, but I also don't want to ruin what I have. That's a challenge. Like, how do you, uh, you know, how do you go from where you're at and step it to the next level? I think that's the biggest challenge for any entrepreneur for myself included is always like, you look at what you got and you go, this is pretty good. Do I really want to risk? It, and you're like, yeah, I do, but uh, uh, this is push and pull. Well, is there anything that, like, any words of advice there for people who are in that uh category? Oh boy, um, <laughs> you're struggling with the same thing, so it's like, I'm, it's hard, yeah, right? I'm struggling with it right now. I think, I think, uh, for me, it's it's important that my wife and I are on the same page. Is mm. we're like, right now, I'm really focused on my family, I've got six kids that I, I have a small window of time to impact. Right. And I want to be there for that. Um, I also want to make, and we, our business throws off enough income for us to live the lifestyle that we enjoy without growing it anymore. So um, now it's really about making sure that I'm, I'm 
um, enjoying the time with my family, but also on the business side, it's, um, you know, I'm, my faith is very important to me and I feel like God put me here for a reason. And he gave me talents and experiences that a lot of people don't get. And I need to utilize those, uh, for his glory. And so outside of the money, it's, it's really about making sure I'm, I'm being useful while I'm here. Yeah. And that's, that's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very cut, very similar to that is like, Hey, look, I could just ride off into the sunset and that would be fine. But is that why I was put here? Is that, is that my highest purpose? And also too, I've got, I don't have six kids. I got two kids though that look at me and whether you like it or not, they're looking at what you do and that's Mm going to influence how, what they do. And do you want your kids to live with a high purpose or do you want your kids to just kind of go by life um, and just not care that much? So kind of also look at that and go, you know what, if I stop building, if I stop growing, if I stop trying to improve myself, what's that going to tell my kids? You know, they're at a very impressionable age. They don't know that I'm, you know, what I've done leading up to this. They know what they know right now. Yep. So. Um, talk about, we're, we're already starting to talk about it. So talk about living with a purpose and and living out your passions. Um, yeah, so that's been, I kind of had to refocus that after the, uh, partnership that I was in on another dairy, um, where I was work, I was literally working a hundred hours a week for about three years Mm. between that farm and my home farm. And, uh, I can tell you working a hundred hours a week is not good for a marriage and it's not good for raising children. No. Um, so I, after that whole deal, um, exiting that, I really needed to refocus and, and, um, and readjust my priorities. You know, I, I would tell everyone what my priorities are, the faith, family, and, and financial freedom. Um, you'd go throw a hundred hours in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So obviously I wasn't uh, aligning with uh, my values with yeah. what I was actually doing. So um, that was something that I really struggled with after that. Um, like, Hey, I'm, I'm not doing what I say is important to mm-hmm. me. And so I spent really the last probably year um, getting clearer on what that means and um, creating opportunities to spend with my family and, um, doing, I've been doing a lot of volunteer work, uh, and doing stuff through our church, doing stuff in our community, um, to really, um, try and realign, uh, with my values that I said, I believe. So that's been really important. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's just spending time with kids and and my wife. Um, now we have probably the best our marriage has ever been. Um, the relationships with my kids have by far the best they've ever been and just really enjoying that time together right now. And, and, um, looking at, you know, 10 years from now, most of them are going to be out of the house. So at that point, uh, I, I also want to make sure that I've still, um, still can be a contributor at that point, maybe even more so than I am now. Yep. Yep. Love it. Love it. Um, all right, Paul. So we're going to transition and talk about a a couple little last things. Um, how do you like to give back? So, um, we, we, like I said, we do a lot through church. Um, 
also in our community, I'm a big fan of uh, ag education and um, a friend and I have started uh, just kind of out of the blue. We met together for breakfast one day. We started a group. He's an educator on uh, ag education and um, just wanted to um, put together something in our in our county um, where kids have the opportunity to learn about farming, learn about agriculture, the importance of it. And it's one of the biggest industries in our county as well. And it's very diverse. Uh, we live in a, in a great area where uh, we're one of the most diverse, agriculturally diverse counties in, in the U.S. Hmm. And um, so there's a lot of opportunities for careers. There's a lot of opportunities just for kids to, to learn great values and skills. Um, so we're working right now with uh, a lot of uh, stakeholders in our county uh, from the the county commissioners to the um, Michigan State Extension to um, a bunch of different educated education um, levels the in the county, the public schools and um, getting a lot of the stakeholders together at the table. We just had a meeting yesterday about this and putting together great ideas and great opportunities to educate kids in our county about agriculture. So that's kind of a passion project of mine I'm working on right now, spending quite a bit of time doing that. Um, but yeah, just, um, we, we just like to give back as a family to just, um, going to nursing homes and singing with our family during Christmas and random stuff like that, to have, be able to show our kids, you know, we need to, um, be part of this community and, and give to those that are in need and it's not always money. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Love that. Um, What's a favorite, what's a favorite book you passed on to our listeners? I love reading. So I, I mean, I listen, listen to and read probably four or five books a month um, on average. Um, I, and I'm a big fan of history. So I listen to probably one autobiography every month. Um, so I, for, I guess for, on that side of things, probably the, um, the autobiography of uh, John D. Rockefeller has been a really interesting read talking about how he built his wealth and then the issues that he had when he had wealth trying to trying to stay ahead of it building and be able to invest it fast enough and give it away fast enough. I thought that was a really interesting problem. Um, it's a so, unique problem, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, yeah, it was a very interesting story. And then um, another book recently, I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but it's a really good one that I've enjoyed. Uh, that's really helped me again, retrain where my mind's at with things is called die with zero. Um, that really helped me look at, Hey, I've got a bucket list of items that I, I want to do as, um, in my life or, and with my family and, um, understanding, you know, some of those things I can only do at a certain stage of my life. And I need to kind of get the ball rolling on a few of yeah. those. Yeah. Um, and some of them I can look at, well, I can do that when I'm, you know, 50 or 60 and it's not the end of the world if I don't get to that until then. So, um, I thought that was a great concept from that book and, and just the whole concept of, I've always been very frugal since we started with nothing. Uh, and it's hard for me sometimes to, to spend money. And, um, that's something that, uh, not over overly spend, but just, you know, really enjoy, uh, the fruits of our labor, uh, a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. 
Um, all right. Last question. What are your three pillars of wealth creation? Oh boy. Um, I think it goes back to, um, vision, uh, collaboration. I need one more, huh? Um, uh probably something to do with with uh uh mindset um just being able to think outside the box and be creative so you can pick a good word that would fit that i don't know but we're, we're gonna say creativity I, I there think, you go there you go think think outside of the box be, be creative I, I agree uh with that paul anything else you want to pass to our listeners anything that you've been wanting to say um, I guess if anyone's interested in, in uh, the whole agricultural realm, especially agricultural investments, um, I'm more than happy to have them reach out to me and chat. So I love talking about farming with people. How can we get in touch with you? I'm on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn. You can just find me at Paul Windemaller. Um, I have an Instagram account for our farm. It's Dream Wins Dairy. So those are Perfect. really, I'm not huge on social media, but um uh, you can also email me, uh, paul at openskyagribusiness.com. All right, perfect. We're going to put those in the show notes. People will be able to get in touch with you. Perfect. Paul, really appreciate it. And uh, man, you have a fantastic rest of the day. Awesome. Thanks, Todd. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. It's a rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go up to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.